You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. It was 1870, and New York City was experiencing growing pains. The roads and streets had been built for the occasional coach, carriage, rider, and foot traffic, not the 700,000 residents. With the influx of people moving in droves from other countries and various corners of America, the streets were pretty much as they are today. Packed. To alleviate congestion, the city employed streetcars and omnibuses drawn by draft horses in teams of six. Even then, traffic moved at a crawl. Horses balked or spooked with the noise and crowds, and carriages broke down. The smell of leather and horses and manure was overwhelming. Tired and frustrated, people's tempers grew thin. Fights began to break out. And then, one cold February morning, New York had a subway system. As in, overnight. You see, Alfred Ely Beach and a team of men worked while the city slept. Over a two-month period, they tunneled underground, carving out a 312-foot section between Broadway and Warren Street. Men above ground loaded up carts of dirt while others unloaded equipment. It wasn't that no one heard the carriages, but everyone thought that construction was for an underground mail and package delivery system. At least that's what Beach applied for. The design called for pneumatic tubes to move parcels between the two streets using the power of air pressure, much like those canisters at bank drive throughs just on a larger scale. While the city approved the plans, that wasn't what the inventor and crew ever intended on constructing. Sure, the design was exactly as proposed, but the railway tube was built to seat people, not packages. Was it a loophole? Sure. But Beach knew his real plan would have been turned down. His biggest opposition was Senator William Boss Tweed, who also headed up a group of less-than-scrupulous investors called the Tweed Ring. The senator and his gang were counting on becoming rich from creating an elevated railway system, and an underground version would be in direct competition. After the tunnel was complete, Beach informed the newspapers. And when over 400,000 excited and dismayed New Yorkers arrived at the entrance, he was there to meet them. The grand opening was nothing short of a gala event. The station had been decorated with a grand piano, brightly lit chandeliers, a fountain stocked with goldfish, and fine furniture for the waiting commuters. Although there was only one shuttle car, people lined up for a 25-cent fare. Within a week, 10,000 fares had been sold. Beach assured the public that a future version could whisk 20,000 passengers to Central Park in under five minutes, and the crowd rejoiced. While the public was enamored with the subway system, the city officials were not. The station had been built right under their noses, 
directly across from City Hall. Officials discussed sealing the tunnel, while others called for tossing the inventor in jail. Enraged, Tweed spent the next three years blocking plans to extend the subway's route from Battery Park to the Bronx. Despite the senator and his gang's efforts, though, Beach surprisingly prevailed, although the venture never got past the planning stage. When the financial crisis known as the Panic of 1873 hit, it left the project without further funding. At the same time, Tweed and his associates were found guilty of fraud and embezzling money from the city. The senator was sentenced to prison, where he died in 1878. With his nemesis gone, Beach tried to revitalize his dream by raising funds from wealthy associates. But they shunned him. Now almost penniless from years of lobbying, he was just another inventor begging for money. To them, the idea of an entire city traveling underground was absurd. After that, Beach slipped into depression and obscurity. By the time he passed away in 1896, he and his pneumatic railroad had been long forgotten. Later, though, New York revisited the idea of a subway. In 1912, a construction crew uncovered the original tunnel. Today, a plaque now hangs at the station, acknowledging Beach as the father of the modern-day subway. Oh, and that original line between Broadway and Warren is part of the larger system, transporting over 5 million people a day. Inventors are typically referred to as visionaries, and oftentimes that's true. But there always seems to be opposition to progress, spurred on by individuals suffering from a case of tunnel vision. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. 
refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. A good book can fill us with all kinds of emotions. A steamy romance might have us feeling amorous toward a partner. A spy thriller can send our adrenaline into overdrive. And if we're reading a little-known book by Robert Kedzie, we might want to have a will prepared. Kedzie was born in Delhi, New York in 1823. When he was three years old, his family up and moved halfway across the country to Lenaway County, Michigan, where they put down roots. Kedzie started attending Oberlin College in Ohio at the age of 17, working his way toward a medical degree from the University of Michigan. He had the honor of graduating among the very first class of the university's new medical college in 1851. He stayed in Michigan after graduation, practicing medicine until his services were called upon during the Civil War. He served as a surgeon in the Union's 12th Michigan Infantry for just one year, after which he returned to civilian life due to illness. Unable to continue his medical practice, he turned to teaching, becoming a professor at Michigan Agricultural College in 1863. Even though he'd stopped practicing, Kedzie still took his Hippocratic Oath seriously, especially the do-no-harm part. He served on the Michigan State Board of Health, the American Public Health Association, and numerous other committees as well. He was partly responsible for a state law requiring all commercial fertilizers to be inspected, as well as the creation of a Food and Dairy Commission. Robert Kedzie might have only served for a year in the Civil War, but when it came to keeping people safe, he never left the front lines. He also fancied himself something of an author. In 1874, he published a book. Only 100 copies were ever made, but it was said that anyone who spent too much time flipping through its pages would fall ill and may, in some cases, die. It was quite a turn for Kedzie, who had been beloved by his students and neighbors for keeping them safe. However, he didn't write the book to hurt anyone. In fact, he hardly wrote it at all. Except for the title page and the preface, there were almost no words anywhere else between its covers. Instead, it was comprised of 86 wallpaper samples, each with a different color or pattern. Kedzie had published his book, titled Shadows from the Walls of Death, as a warning. The wallpaper of the time was often dyed with colors made by mixing elements such as copper with another substance— arsenic. By the late 1800s, roughly 56% of wallpaper sold in the United States was made with arsenic, and it wasn't as though Americans didn't know how dangerous it was. Over the ocean in Victorian England, impatient heirs were known to sprinkle what they called inheritance powder in a drink before serving it to an older family member sitting on a vast fortune. In the U.S., though, manufacturers didn't think their wallpapers were that dangerous, since people wouldn't be ingesting them. They just didn't count on homeowners inhaling poisonous particles that had flaked off and were now floating in the air. Kedzie wrote about women in the home who would become sick, only to retreat to their bedrooms and feel even worse, not knowing that what was killing them was all around them. He called it an air loaded with the breath of death. To get his message across, Kedzie sent every copy of his book to public libraries all over Michigan, along with a note, Do not let children touch it. 
Many librarians didn't want his death book on their shelves, so they disposed of them permanently. Only four copies still exist today. One is kept by the University of Michigan, while another is boxed up in MSU's Special Collections Department. Each page is held in a plastic sleeve to prevent microscopic flecks from contaminating the air when the book is handled. Those who do touch it, with gloves, of course, are advised not to lick their fingers when they turn the page. Harvard Medical School has a third copy, while the last is owned by the National Library of Medicine, which went through the arduous process of digitizing it for public use. Archivists who scanned the pages were required to wear hazmat suits, dust masks, and nitrile gloves while they were in close proximity to the book. Thanks to the National Library of Medicine, people all over the world can now safely read a book that was so dangerous it was nearly wiped from existence. Now I'd call that a page-turner. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.